This is the Non-Typical Nation podcast with your hosts, Brody Teal and Eric Labrie. Let's talk hunting and absolutely everything else that goes with it. What is going on, everybody? We are back for another episode of the Non-Typical Nation podcast. We're having a ton of fun doing this. This is number 10. Number 10. Number 10. Wow. Yeah. Unreal, man. That is super cool. What did we start this middle of December and we're end of January? Yeah, something right before Christmas, and uh, yeah, now we've we're in double digits already. It's awesome, crazy. man. That is super cool. I've been getting a lot of great feedback from people, and it just yeah, super me too. Happy Everything's to been good. Everybody says each one's getting better, so it's I like I actually like listening to them. It's great. Right on, awesome. I'm super glad to hear. Yeah, we've been we're starting this one a little bit later. We've been sitting in here for an hour and a half just talking. Yeah, <laughs> going we, we've over been things. doing some some background work here <laughs> yeah. tonight. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, things up. you can almost have the, the mic on for some of that stuff. Because yeah, I was thinking that the whole time. I was like, you know, why aren't we just recording this and maybe chopping it up or something? Yeah, yeah. it's a little different, though. You know, when you're talking on the podcast, you just got to keep going, 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 going. It's going like going on a roller coaster yeah. when you're talking, just talking. It's like I care you're less in traffic you all day and you're stopping and going. And yeah, I care <laughs> <less>. <laughs> Well, I'm getting pumped up. We got to get this this hog hunt done. Um, you know, we got to get some bacon. We got to chase those pigs. It's been too long. Like yeah, we, we gotta, said, we haven't been on a hunt in a while. So. We got to beat the springtime. It feels like spring out there right now. We do. Yes. Yeah. What is it? I think it was plus three today. Plus six. Plus driving six. Driving around town earlier. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. yeah so. I've been in the shop all day today, but when I went outside, it was, it was nice. It was nice out, yeah. T-shirt weather. Yeah. Yeah. Shorts. Yeah, I've, I was thinking the whole time, got to be ice fishing or should have been ice yeah, fishing. Yeah, for sure. Well, hopefully we can sneak out in a couple of days. Yeah, we're planning. We got one planned for Monday here, yeah, so we got yeah. three days away. Let's hope the weather Do stays you got a hot nice. spot or where should we be going? I think we're going to leave that to Charlie. I think leave we should it to leave Charlie. that to Charlie. Yeah, I've yeah, gone yeah, out. Sure. I even lived on the lake last winter and I didn't catch fuck all. So. Really, eh? <laughs> I mean, I caught a few here and there, but nothing. If, if I was eating fish, I would have starved. You know what? And... Yeah, I've said this a pile of times. I don't do a lot of ice fishing, but when we did, we'd go up to the lakes north of here just because um, Lesser Slave, it's such a big lake. It's very tough to find those pocketed areas of fish. And honestly, we live on the wrong end too for this time of year, right? All the fish migrate the other way for spawning in the spring. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, we went out uh, right before New Year's and we caught a few, a few smaller jack, um, but, uh, yeah, I went out with Charlie last year and we caught some nice walleye, a few three or four pounders. Charlie's always, every time he goes out, he's, he's picking up fish and, you know, I go out and it just seems like I'm trying to lose hooks. So, yeah. You know, it's just, it just, sometimes it seems pointless. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> well, just, I, I like, he's got to show me some tips. So Charlie, I'm sure you're listening to this. Uh, I hope we catch fish in the next couple yeah, of days. Yeah, right on, right on. He's, yeah, he's quite the fisherman. Something he definitely loves and has a passion for. That's right. It's good to have friends like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to steal some of his ideas, if not all of them. So yeah, right on. Show us yeah, the well, way. I'll teach you how to moose hunt. You teach me how to catch the walleye on my home lake. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Teach a man to fish and he'll, uh, well, what's the saying? How does that go? I don't know. Teach a, give a man a fish. He'll eat for a day. He'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish. He'll eat forever. He'll eat for a lifetime. He'll get fat. <laughs> he'll drink know. a lot of beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to this hog hunt, man. I, uh. And so we've got a, we've got a, a landowner friend who's got uh, a few Razorback hogs. And he's got Eurasian hogs too, right? And Eurasian, I think he mentioned last time. Yeah. On, I think it's a quarter section he's got. Yeah, quarter section, fully fenced. Um, these hogs are in, in this high fence area so it's actually it's actually double fenced right it's actually it's double fence it's barbed wired and electric fenced. and electric yeah and um he doesn't touch those pigs they're in there and they survive he doesn't give them any food do anything he has a few bales in there i guess that they do burrow under and whatever else they might eat them too but other than that um he does not mess with them at all he lets them breed lets them do what they want to do so those pigs are wild and we found that out when we were hunting them a couple years ago right we thought you know we're going in you you sort of knew what to expect yeah but i know ryan and myself we know we were traveling up there we're thinking oh this is our first time going on a high fenced hunt or well not necessarily high fence but a fenced hunt yes on a ranch yeah and we're like we're thinking you know it's not going to be shooting pigs in a barrel yeah but 
we're thinking we're going to get the opportunity to choose basically, right? More yeah. of a different sort of less than an, a, a one opportunity and go sort of deal. Yeah. But there are some operations that are a lot like shooting pigs in a barrel. And, and we've that's been what on. we expected, right? You watch the Texas, the YouTube videos of Texas where there's 40 hogs standing on a feeder yeah. and guys just go pew, 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 yeah. shoot five of them. And yeah, yeah, you know, and personally, you know, if it's a tough hunt or if it's an easy hunt, I enjoy all of them. I just like hunting animals. I like eating pigs. Um, you know, so we did, I did the hunt with you guys at this, uh, this ranch in this area. And then I did one the year before at the same spot with my brother. Since then we have hunted another ranch, uh, my wife and I, and some friends, um, in that one, the property is about, it's a little bit smaller than, than the one that we've hunted. Um, but that one it's quite easy to get a pig. Like I usually encourage guys to use the bow or use the crossbow just to give yourself, make things a little bit tougher. Cause you could end that hunt in, in an hour if you wanted to. Right. And that's, yeah, that's like a night and day hunt compared to the other ranch. Right. Exactly. And, and that's funny because they're only a few hundred kilometers away. Yeah. But the thing is I have, you've got three choices. Okay. You can go to the store and you can go and buy your pork at aisle four and bring it home and eat that and go get more when you want more. Or you can go, if you have the opportunity, go to one of these high fence areas, shoot one of these razorback hogs and hunt it, whether it's an hour hunt or a three day hunt. If you like hunting, I'm always going to pick that option right there. Um, you know, now it all depends to who I'm going with. So if I'm going with my wife, I'm going to want something a little bit easier. Um, we've even talked about bringing my five-year-old son along because we want that easier hunt, something that's not going to... Well, and that's something perfect. That opportunity is something perfect to sort of show them the ropes, right? Exactly. Exactly. So there's a place for all of it. So I'm, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is, is I don't mind some of these um, high fence operations, at least here in Alberta. Um, I don't mind you know, the ones that, uh, are a little bit easier. The ones that are tougher are great for, you know, guys like you and me, um, you know, hunting wild pigs in Alberta is very, very tough. And, and the issue with that is landowner and private land access. If a guy does have pigs on there, he's usually not letting anyone on cause he likes to take so one or two out a year to fill his freezer. This is, this is actually really funny topic. We can sort of maybe go on about for a little while here, but in almost every part of North America that I know of, and probably that you know of, pigs are wild pigs, wild hogs, whatever type they are. They're a nuisance. They're, um, they have a bounty. You know, they're an invasive species. They're wrecking crops. They're costing people money. They're dangerous. They even attack in some of the states down south. But here in Alberta, and including Saskatchewan, people hunt them like crazy, want them dead. But here in Alberta, they're almost like a treasured secret pocket. And I think the guys that know about them need to be really careful about keeping it a secret. Yeah. Because they're they're a proven problem everywhere. And it's just funny how here in Alberta, there is a known wild population, a very small pocket somewhere, actually in a couple places. But guys seem to want to keep it quiet here. Where in other places, it's like, no, come and kill hogs. You know, we got to get rid of them, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, what I've noticed, though, everywhere, like whether it's Texas or whether it's the middle of the United States or whether it's up here, they're always a nuisance to a non-hunter or a farmer or rancher. But the hunter always holds them. So maybe that's what it is. The, maybe that's the key right there. You yeah. got it. Maybe it's because here in Alberta... We have such a hunting culture that maybe the farmers and the ranchers are the guys that's like, hey, yes, I got some the, fucking pigs on my land. But the biologists that are doing these aerial surveys and that are having these surveys with these landowners and ranchers that are having issues with the hogs, they see a wild boar epidemic. Yeah, oh, for sure. But and the, like hunter, the hunter... He doesn't see that because we want to take out one or two a year. And I don't want everyone to know where these pigs are because I want those pigs to be there next year so I can get my pig next year. Well, and consider the fact that the areas here in Alberta where there are known pigs, 
it's pri- a lot of it is private yes. land. So guys don't want the trespassing and all that stuff either, right? And so if you do have some property with these pigs <gasps> on it, you aren't going to tell anyone because I guess that you private have, land yeah. is very tough because those pigs could go a mile over and you have no access. You don't have permission on that land. So you're going to keep your mouth shut. Yeah, so you, I guess as as somebody that knows where their pigs are here, particularly in Alberta, that you have a few reasons maybe not to let it and so be public knowledge. Texas, Texas is is insane with pigs, insane with pigs, just like Hawaii. But they've got value, so there's landowners and ranchers fencing their property off keeping the pigs in there, allowing them to breed, raising that population to hunt them. And growing them to several hundred pounds. Yes. And then selling them to other people, even though there's so many, the landowners want these hogs. So I don't know if... But the ones who have crops and the ones, the biologists who see the disaster these hogs do to agriculture, um, you know... They're the ones that don't want them. So, and it's like, it's the, it's the same here. Well, it's funny. Like, I don't know if you've seen some of them hog hunting shows that have been on like the Discovery Channel and stuff. There's, yeah. there's guys that do it for a living there where farmers and ranchers will hire them. Yes. And they run trap. They run those big circle traps or they run feeder traps or whatever. And then they get rid of the pigs. They bring them into slaughter. They bring them to a butcher, whatever. It's yeah. like a whole thing now. Yeah. But... The problem is, like you said, they have value to some people, like people that offer hunts, people that maybe do the helicopter thing now. And so there's huge plots of land where guys get rid of them, vigilante justice style. And then there's their adjacent neighbor that's basically letting them breed, giving them a safe haven. Yes. And so it's just, <laughs> and there's so many people in Texas, so, and it's all private land. Yeah. So it's, that it's just crazy. It's right? a, it's, it's a very unique situation that I don't think any other animal is in. Cause we want, on one end, we want them gone because they do so much damage and because they are an invasive species. Yeah. They're not natural. They're they Russian, natural. R- Russian razorbacks and some other kind. But we don't want them all gone. Like we want a few so we can still hunt them each we year. We as hunters yes. want them. And then yeah. you know what? If I've got some private land and I've got a few, few pigs coming through the, the back quarter every now and then, you know, let's keep them there. No, let's not wipe them right out. Cause I don't mind them, but, uh, you know, that's the issue but we're in. Your livelihood doesn't depend on a crop or something exactly. that they're destroying. So um, this reminds me of an interesting story. I know of a guy. Um, I know I've never met him or anything, but I know of a, a farmer in an area that I hunt regularly and I've never hunted his private land. I've been told I have some permission of some kind if I wanted it, but he actually got in trouble a few years ago for um, shooting like a whole herd of elk, an entire like a, a herd of like twenty two or twenty three. Yeah, it's his reckonest crop. Yeah, and then yeah. just just carrying them with his tractor into the creek and dumping them in the creek. Yeah, you got to get permission from Fish and Wildlife to get rid of them, and they'll give you permission if yeah. To yeah, get rid you of can them. get special tags and stuff, but like there's no, you can get a nuisance like if yeah, you yeah, have yeah. a nuisance. Yeah, for sure. And so well, he it's, just it's he just your went livelihood. And, yeah, yeah, he just. Take it under his he own He just went and slaughtered hands, them all yeah. and, and dumped them in the creek. And then somebody found out about it. He got reported, eventually fined oh, and everything. That's but too bad. Yeah, it's just crazy. crazy that some people... It's hard for me to understand that that thought. Yes. That like, thought in your head to just, oh, I'll just kill them because they're, you know, they're pissing on my hay bales yeah. or whatever. Like... To me, the animal has so much more value, but it's it's a totally different perspective when you're a farmer and you got to protect a crop, right? Okay, so now, <laughs> so it's the same with hogs, right? That's the that's the yes, kind of thing. and that and now what you just described is the exact same situation that's going on in Africa right now. Exact same situation. Okay, you're looking at me with a fucking blank stare in your face. Go on, go on. (laughs) Okay, so I'm a farmer in Africa. I got a crop, and I've got these fucking kudu and elephants trampling over everything, and they're wrecking it, and I got to replant it, and it's it's costing me more money than I'm making. And we aren't getting rain this month, so you know what? Um, Let's get rain this year. (laughs) This year, so let's fence this property. Let's leave these animals in here. 
And now I'm now these animals are making me money. I'll bring guys in to hunt these animals where if I had a crop, I, I want to kill all those animals so they don't wreck my crop. And then your population is going in the tank for animals. So what they're doing is you got your, you got your high fence area, whether it's 15 quarters or a thousand quarters or hundred thousand acres, whatever it is. Yeah. Plots of land you over there fence are massive. It. Yeah. Massive. Um, but now no more crop in there. But now rather than farming that crop, you're farming these animals, which were once wild animals, but now those animals have value. So now I want these animals to breed. I want these kudu to multiply because every one is $4,000, $5,000 where before they're ruining my crops, so I was shooting every single one. So now there is 50 kudu in this five square miles rather than the, the three or four that used to be. And I would shoot everyone that was in my field because he was just costing me money, right? So now Africa's in this funny situation that these animals are all in high fence areas, but there's more of them because they have value. Well, and they're protected and... Yes. And, and they, yeah, they hold value. There's a reason for them and to so be kept around. And so if they around. don't have value... They're going to be gone because then they're costing you money. Well, and the special thing um, about Africa is these plots of lands are so big Massive. that it's almost, it's a wrong term, but it's almost like free range. The, the, yeah. the purpose of the, f of the fence in most African ranches is actually keep, to keep the poachers out. Yeah. A lot of times the, the ranches in Africa are bigger than the animal's actual like migratory travel regular regular travel pattern it's mm -hmm. actually bigger than what they would inhabit yeah like it's 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 unimaginable compared to the plots of land we exactly have here, how big it is over there so now you're keeping the poachers out so the poachers you know and and that's where it gets fucking iffy too because those poachers are probably shooting those animals because they need some protein well, they, they need to eat you know now there's the guys who are shooting the rhinos and stuff like that but i would assume some of those poachers are probably guys who, hey, I need a kudo. We need to get some protein for our tribe. We need to eat. It would be interesting to know what percentage of the poachers are poaching for survival compared to what percentage are poaching for the black market because I think yeah. I think majority of it's black market okay. still. Okay, so great. That's awesome then. So well, but, now we, but like you said, the meat thing could be tied into the black market because it could be the village oh, buying sure. the meat yeah. from some butcher in local town. Yeah, that buys so the, it from and that's the poacher, and that's right? why we get that's now we're getting a little weird because so now my farm is fenced. I don't have a crop, I got wildlife in there. But now those animals aren't leaving my area and now they're pretty much my property. And now John, 10 miles down the road, can't shoot a kudu because they're all, you know, they're still going to travel. But but they're in my fence now. So these ones aren't leaving. These are mine. So these are my property. So now we're getting into some one of those funny, weird situations because those animals are my property. But uh, there's more of them in this area. So it's, Well, and yeah. without the numbers in front of us, it's hard to say if it's better or worse this way because... You know, is it better because the ranch brings money into the village that it's adjacent to? Or is it better that the ranch let the animals roam free and hope that the people just didn't kill them all off? Yeah, no, because I think... The I, problem with Africa is it's not as balanced and stable of, of, a, of exactly. an ecosystem as nope. we are lucky to have here. Yeah. Right? So a lot of the ranches have actually saved species of animals yes without a doubt because they have value yeah and it is hard to farm a crop in africa a lot of places well, of africa that, exactly it is dry like back to the ecosystem point it's so yeah. dry they have like they're in some crazy you know drought of some kind that's extended over many many years yes i don't know the facts about it but you know so i think you know, it's a it's a weird situation for us. It's a weird situation because we aren't accustomed to it. Like we never grew yeah, up. Yeah, we're in separate Africa. from we it. We're separate yeah. from it. Um, but I think it's best case scenario. There is wildlife is flourishing in Africa, um, and the spots of Africa that you can't legally hunt, the wildlife is in the fucking shit tank because they don't have any value. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's the best case possible scenario right now. Um, you know, and I, 
uh, we talked about this off the podcast. I, I enjoy hunting. I love hunting. I, I, that's the only place I'm ever going to get my meat is from a hunt, whether it's a high fence hunt that took us three hours to kill that hog or whether it's a fucking 180 hour sit in a tree stand to kill that deer. Um, I just enjoy the task of hunting. Um, so I, I support, um, you know, that high fence hunting in, in Africa and, and in most places, to be honest with you. Um, now where it gets a little fishy on my end is when I start hearing about the spread of CWD and stuff like this in these high fence deer operations. I love the look of a giant 300 inch, just insane buck because they are just magnificent, beautiful animals. And I would love to hunt one if I had the money, um, whether it be a hard hunt or not, I would love it. Um, but when I hear that it drastically increases the risk of CWD for the surrounding animals, um, you know, now I'm a little put back. I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm torn on this too, because for me, I guess it's maybe like I would never – I used to say I don't, I don't agree with high fence hunting, but then Africa doesn't apply to that in my thought, right? So for me, I think it's maybe like I probably or I wouldn't, I can say I wouldn't hunt any animal that I could hunt um, naturally, fair chase, free range with like a decent opportunity. I wouldn't hunt any animal like that in a fence. So I wouldn't hunt like a whitetail or an elk. Or even a mule deer, you know, any of the big game animals we have here in Alberta. Because I can just buy a tag, do some hard work, and I can do it fair chase. Whether it's on private land or not, it's still not going to be a high-fenced hunt, right? Okay. But, like, the hogs, I uh, the hogs was a totally... Uh, I went in there with, with one sort of thought of how it was going to be, and it ended up being totally different. It was tough. It was hard. We hunted for four days with four guys, and we got one hog, right? So... Um, I really enjoyed that hunt and I would do that again because it was a hunt still. Like we had to work, we had to outsmart the animal still. Um, but I couldn't go out into a field and just shoot, like just shoot like a bison or just go shoot like a big bull elk or even a big white tail that's been fed, something like that. I just couldn't, it's just not for me. Like for me, it's the chase. Yeah. I'm so happy Every day I don't get an animal. If I chased one down and, you know, missed the opportunity, at the end of the day, I'm just so pumped because it's about the chase for me. Yeah, so the, the, the chase and the journey and the, the hard times that you go through to get those animals definitely sit a lot higher on the pedestal than the animals that you didn't work yeah. hard for. Like my, the animal that means the most to me was, I think my mule deer that I got two or three years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. We've talked about this before. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I got a big elk that year. I got a, the deer with my son, that was super special. But this mule deer, I had hunted a lot and it was the last day I finally got one. And that thing, you know, that hunt was the one I'm most proud of. Um, but I love eating pigs. Um, and, uh, so if it means that I go on a short three or four hour hunt to chase this pig around a, you know, half a quarter section or whatever, I'm going to do it. Um, I love giant deer. And if I had the money to, you know, pull the trigger on a insane jacked up whitetail, I'll probably do it. Um, and so now you were saying earlier, like Africa, like huge would you hunt Africa if you had the oh, opportunity? Absolutely. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Okay. So I would, I would absolutely hunt Africa because that's, that's just how you have to do it. Yeah. And I have no problem because the way that it's set up there, it's as natural as it can be. Okay. But before you continue, would you pay attention to the size of the, the ranch? Absolutely. That would you definitely would. be a factor in which that would, that would be a big factor. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't want to see the fence. Okay, so you're willing to... And I know that Africa, I've talked to enough people that have been there, Yeah, where most places, it yes. is so big that you are you could drive for like a day yes. and not see the other side of the fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is like, the, it is true that, you know, a lot of those ranches are bigger than the animals, like regular roaming capacity. Yeah. So that animal's never really gonna want to be out of, like it's, it's naturally not, doesn't ever exceed that area. Yeah, okay, so you'll go to Africa hunt a giant plot of land giant that you can't see the fence and that would be a ton of fun we're gonna have to do that one of these years absolutely now would you go to texas 
on a, a you know a block buck hunt or an audad or something like that on a giant chunk of land yeah i think i would it would depend on the species i don't know i i have such a inconsistent now those animals have been brought onto that property and they have been raised i'm so torn in this because i have such an inconsistent feeling depending on the animal right and i don't have a relationship with a lot of those animals so um it's tough for me to even say like it's sort of i just go with my gut feeling because i'm the type of person that's just like you know what if i want to kind of do it fuck it i'll just do it and if i hate it i'll never do it again but i might as well do it once so I'm kind of like that anyway. Yeah. So you could probably talk me into it because it's yeah. hunting. Um, but, you know, so, as long as it's a giant plot of land, I don't want to just drive out and the guy be like, yeah, you're going to shoot the one with the drop time. <laughs> and you, you know, you pull out in your pickup truck. Oh, you can just drive your truck right out into the field and get out, shoot him across the hood. Like, I don't want none of that shit. Don't. Yeah, we did a couple of those. And I want to eat it. Yeah. So don't take me on a hunt where... It's like, uh, yeah, you're not going to want to eat that. We feed them fucking kitchen scraps or yeah. something like that. I don't want none of that. You know, they have a name. That's Fred. You're going to shoot. Uh, yeah. You're, you're going to go shoot, shoot Oscar the right beside T3. Fred. It's got yeah. a big yellow tag. In it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's some guys, man, that play pay giant bucks for those those big deer. And the thing is, SCI enters them and, and they're, they can register as a whatever right but boone and crockett won't no boone and crockett won't no but that's interesting i know a guy um that asked me um my father-in-law as a buffalo farmer asked me if he would be willing to just let him for some sum of money go out drive out into his field and shoot a big bull right across the hood of his truck yeah and i'm like it's easy i started showing him pictures on my phone like i I can almost reach out and touch them like he wouldn't want to but driving the pickup through the field it's that easy they're just they just stand there like cattle right yeah and uh he's like oh i just want to kill a buffalo get some pictures with it and blah blah blah. some people are just like that for me absolutely not but really yeah yeah if (laughs) to pay for it you know like to make it a thing to make it an experience bison were a little a little uh a little more wild um I would say count me in. I'm bringing my bow. Let's get one down. Well, if it was a bigger chunk of land, like that property is not huge. It's just a farm. Um, yeah. So if you had to like go and look for them maybe for a couple of days, I'd be totally yeah. down for it. Because I like, the, like I said before, I like the chase. I like the hunt, right? So, but to go out and just, if if my father-in-law asked me, hey, do you want to go put this one down for me? It, it, you know, we're selling yeah. the meat or I'd be like, Hey, yeah, let's go. Where's the gun? Just to, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that kind of thing. Yeah. So what you is. know me, if they're like, you want to go put this one down? I'd probably say no. But if he says, do you want to go hunt that one? I'd be like, yeah, let's go do this. Yeah. But well, then you just walk <laughs> up and it's pop exactly. it in the forehead anyway, yeah, right? Because <laughs> it's the terminology you use with me. I don't know. But I think, you know, like I was going to say, the reason like if those buffalo were a little more wild and you could sort of try and find them and sneak up on them with the bow, um, whether there's a hundred of them that have been raised, um, I'd be game because I want the buffalo meat. I would love a freezer full of buffalo meat and uh, and I just love hunting things. But you know what? Love the task of hunting. We can go up a couple hours north. Yeah. With some hard work and find some wild buffalo that we can shoot. I, yeah, I should actually talk to you about that. I was talking, not on here, but I was talking to a guy yesterday or two days ago, and he uh, spoke with another fellow who has a business up north in a town. We know this unspoken fellow, right? We've talked about him before. No, we haven't. Oh, okay, it's a different unspoken fellow? Uh, well, I don't know the unspoken fellow. Okay. <laughs> well, we know we know a mutual guy that does okay. bison hunts, right? Is that what oh, you're talking yeah, about? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, we about? can't count on that. No, no, no okay. <laughs> Someone will go be on, dead if on, something happens on. there. I, I but was no, just and, trying to figure a, it out. A new guy, and okay. you you know the guy. He's a local guy. Um, he went up north hunting elk. They got a cow elk on the late season tag, and they were talking to some locals, and they showed him right on a map where these buffalo are. Oh, okay. I see what you yeah, mean. Yeah, and uh, he said, we're going back in, in uh, early March. And we're going to go get a buffalo. So he's a local guy from here we yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, we'll talk after. Yeah. So I was uh, I was thinking if we could somehow get some inside info on where these big animals are. That'd be a cool hunt. 
It would I'd be. put the work in. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be really awesome. cool. Because, yeah, they're basically considered an invasive species, just like the hog is in Alberta. They are. It's in interesting enough, like, if, um, if they were to break out of the farm... Yes. As soon as they're game. on the opposite side of the fence and yeah. they're on off of the they're on public property, whether on the on the ditch in the highway or on crown land, whatever, anybody can shoot them. Yes. You can shoot them all and the farmer can't do anything about them. No. So they gotta stay in the fence. Yeah. Big deal. Whereas if your cows got out, you can like sue or pursue somebody legally if they were to shoot your cows. So what's the difference? I think buffalo is just because it's an invasive species. Well, a cow is an invasive species. I could I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure specifically buffalo if they get out. Because I I think there's there must be some way where like cows are still considered. Are they are protected? Maybe. Maybe because they're cattle. Because they're livestock. They yeah. classified as livestock. Where buffalo might not be. Interesting. It, there's it's a weird because it's just sort of a new market here still, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Sort of a new thing. Huh. Yeah. So maybe because we spent so much time on this and it's a good topic, maybe yeah. we should make a Facebook post. Yeah, yeah. Linking it to this and see what people think about high fence hunting. Let us know. That's a great idea. Yeah. Let us know what you think. But give that it a give a, a semi-intelligent idea. answer. So what are we gonna do? Are we gonna post it the same day we post this podcast? We could do that. Yeah. Okay. So that's what we're doing, guys. Right now, go to our Facebook page. The post will be up. Yeah. What are your thoughts on high fence hunting? Will you come with me to Africa or come with me to Texas to go shoot an odd ad on a giant chunk of land that's been, you know, raised by a guy named Bob and... uh, You know what I guarantee? Managed. I will guarantee you that whatever it is, I'll come and film it. Yeah, sounds I good. I don't know if I'll pull the trigger. It'll you'll have to give me the trip and sounds let me think. You know, about as long as we got a few acres, I'm in. If it's a- <laughs> <laughs> if it's Africa, I'm there. Uh, but either way, I'll hold the camera. I just love hunting, man. And I don't get a lot of well, I was gonna say I don't get a lot of opportunities to kill things. So that's why I like to go with the easy targets. Sometimes. Me neither. I feel I just like I just love to wander around. I feel like I should be writing poetry sometimes because yeah. I'm just like walking through the bush thinking about shit and. It almost seems like it never happens, but it does. Well, you know. Stephen Smith calls it uh, heavily armed hiking. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we were on a heavily armed hike. Yeah, <laughs> we just people, go hiking with fucking rifles yeah. and bows and arrows. People and always say, "Well, weren't you hunting or whatever?" And I'm like, "No, I just go wandering yeah, around. Go and, hiking. Yeah, just go you do a lot around. of walking though when you're hunting. I do. Yeah, you're like always fucking moving, man. I do a lot of sitting. I like to and be... I drive myself crazy because sitting in a fucking stand or blind for eight hours, ten hours, six hours, twelve is is a it's a chore. And so um, when I was younger, like when I was sixteen, but I've I, had no luck walking. When I really dove Spook into everything. into the hunting thing, where I knew I was like, I'm gonna go crazy about this. It was all about sitting in a tree stand. I had to have like the great you know a good climber tree stand i've got good sticks i want a good camo i bought a good harness like that was what i want to do had my bow all set up and then i realized um after i started getting into it and just getting bored of sitting in one spot and sort of exploring around i got more comfortable being in the bush got more comfortable with the, the idea of bears and and i was walking around with just a bow and no rifle so it didn't take very long I just enjoy walking around now. I just can't sit still. Like moose hunting's easy enough because I know that it works and you just got to sit when you're calling. You just got to sit still and, and do what you got to do. And, and elk is sort of the same way, but I really am picking up on the elk thing. It really gets me excited now because a lot of it is footwork. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you said moose and elk, you sort of got to stay still, but then you said elk, there's yeah, a little no, more no. footwork. No, where moose is definitely more of a still game, I you think. You think so, though? No, I think I think moose, you still got to, you got to fucking move. You got to keep calling. You got to wait till you hear a call and then it's game on. No, you got to, man, I'm telling well, you. So you'll sit in the same you gotta spot. You got to focus. You got to focus and concentrate on a spot when you're moose hunting. Now this still moving, though. No, it's not like, no. oh, so will you sit in a stand from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. for a moose? No, I'll sit, I'll sit in, the, I will never sit in a stand for moose. I'll sit somewhere, okay. whether it's on a pond, you know, ideally we're and talking rut. Okay. I'll sit there from an hour to 45 minutes, you know, half an hour at the very latest before sun, before legal light. Yeah. So that's an hour before sunrise, yeah. but ideally two hours before sunrise. Okay. You get there, you get comfortable, you shut the fuck up, you don't use the bathroom, you don't do nothing. 
You make sure your wind's good because it's going to change when the sun comes up anyway. And then you sit there and you hunt until the heat of the day hits you. When the heat of the day hits you, you go and you cover some ground or you move around or you do your thing. You see if you can piss one off. Yeah, so you're sitting And then if, for... you're, if you're hearing one, because a lot of times you'll hear them in the morning or you'll hear them in the evening and they just, they're just not coming. You're, yeah. They're talking back to you, but they're just not coming. So that's when you'll, you know, maybe you'll give it a break if you've hit it two days in a row. But I like to hit it at least twice in a row, whether it's a morning and then the evening or I'll hit it you know, the evening and then the next morning or two evenings, depending on what the weather's doing. But you got to stay in those spots because they're territorial. So a moose will hang out in like a mile square for like a day. Yeah. It's not cruising like bucks. No, but you're still, but I see, I call that semi-mobile. So you're, yeah, you still, you're concentrating when you're calling though, where elk, you're trying to act like a herd of elk. Yes. Yes. So that's a mobile hunt. When you're moose hunting, you're acting like a cow elk. That's actually a lot of people don't know this, but when you're imitating the cow elk, the long like moaning sound is actually what a cow elk will do when she's um, trying to kick away another bull. She doesn't want a bull that's there. So that's why the bull comes in pissed off to the cow elk call. So you add the grunts and everything and it becomes a whole thing, which I'm sure you've learned from Steven with elk calling. You got to make it sound as real as possible. Yeah, you stop yeah, your feet, sure. you thrash the brush, you make cow chirps, you make calf chirps, you do yeah. the bull thing. You make it as best, re- most real as you can make it. Yeah. It's the same with the moose, but you're in a, you're like in a 10 foot square, really. You're like not moving. Okay. But you yeah, want to yeah, be able yeah, to yeah. see like a couple hundred yards around. You. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas elk, you know, they're always moving. Elk yeah. are always, the herd's always doing a circle. That's why that they're elk always doing is so something. Fun. That's why I've really like dove into elk hunting the last like two years. Yeah. Is because I get to move my feet. Yeah. Because when moose hunting slow, it's like, well, moose hunting's got to be in me somewhere. Yeah, it is. Like You're it's in my DNA or moose. in my blood or something. Because I get a tingle and I just know it's going to happen that day. And it yeah. almost always does. Wow. And I also, but with that, I also have the tingle where it's just not going to happen. Like, it's just like the day is just like, no, this just isn't right. You know, whether we drove up in the spot doesn't feel good or it's windy as fuck. The weather's bad or it's, you know. So sitting there drives me crazy some days because I'm just like, I'm not feeling it. And so that's hard. But we're all kind of, it's like, let's just go bugger off, you know, go 500 yards and they could be right on top of me yeah that's why i love elk hunting so much is because i spend so much time in that tree stand for deer and the thing with deer is they might come at 10 a.m they might come at one or two and they are a little more patternable than uh you know elk and moose and whatnot i find so when i get in that stand at 7 a.m i'm there i don't do not get out until you know it's dark Unless I'm freezing, then I'll get out at like noon for a quick bite and get back in. And that's why I but. don't hunt the stand anymore is because I am like that too. I'm so anal. But it is where so I have hard. to sit from, you know, start yeah, to finish. Yeah. I won't sit a quarter. And so the last few times I sat in my stand, I was finding that I really wanted to get out like a few hours in. So yes. I'm like, I can't, I can't because I'm not focused. If it happens, yeah. I'm going to be fucking around. I'm going to be on my phone. I'm going to be, you know, fiddling with something. Oh, well, I got I to gotta <laughs> fucking, I got something to tell you here. I got to spill the beans. Uh-oh. Um, so I was listening to a podcast yeah. while I was in the tree stand. And remember we did that podcast with Braden and I said there was that buck. A buck came out and I seen it 60 yards, but it was walking away from me. Yeah. I was listening to my podcast. I had a trail camera at the bottom of my tree. That deer walked right by me and turned you weren't you didn't hear it and i did not fucking hear it i had my headphone in and i looked and he was 60 yards away walking away from me man that bothered me so 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 much that deer walked right below my tree and fucking walked right away didn't notice until you're 60 yards away and it's just thick bush you seen the video and then he was just gone i've done away. the exact same sort of thing you know not with a headphone or anything but oh like my where gosh. you sort of know you're you should be doing you should be tightened up you know you should be doing something a little bit different you just don't and then it happens and you're like fuck i knew it was gonna happen man i was so i noticed that i think it was like two or three days after it happened i went through all my cards and i seen that and, and I, your stomach drops oh man i yeah. i felt so you're like bad. oh i'm a fucking idiot what am i doing <laughs> and then luckily the next day was that last day of hunting when i got that 
that buck with yeah. the kids and whatnot. Um, so that put a bandaid on everything, made it a little, feel a little better, but, um, yeah. It's oh, a serious man. feeling though, because especially for us, we take it so seriously now in the last couple of oh, years that it's gosh. like, man, I got to tighten up. Like we got to square like, this. That still bothers me. But then that's like, I think, you that's know, like I, I, I really don't enjoy sitting in this fucking stand. Like no. it's, it's, I do not really enjoy work. a fucking mini of minute of it. Like I don't. Um, but I know it's what I have to do if I want to kill a buck. But the problem is I don't enjoy it. So I'm listening to a podcast to let the time go by or, you know, something. You're slacking off a little bit. And this just told me that, hey, this isn't going to fucking work. If yeah. you want it, you got to fucking take that podcast out and pay full attention to this area for the 12 hours you're in the stand. So then I thought like, fuck, should I maybe just spend some time on the ground now and do more walking, more hiking? Um, but that is so tough up here to just hike and see deer because the bush is so dense that you don't see them until they're 30, 40 yards ahead of you. But the problem is they hear you a hundred yards. You don't see them until you see their white ass. Until they're gone. So, um, so yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. Like your deer, you got in the blind, you were sitting, right? Yeah. But you know what? Same thing is I was, I was sitting in the stand Mine's not so bad. Mine's not as bad as yours. Man, like I got the photo. I got the video right under my stand. So I was sitting in the stand and I'm sitting there. um, You know, I have the camera sort of set up, but not like I haven't opened it. I haven't checked the angles. I haven't, you know, I haven't opened it to where I can just hit the button to turn it on. And I'm just sitting there. "Ah, I should probably get that going. Uh, yeah, I should probably set the camera up. And then I just keep getting distracted. Just sort of, you know, it's early in the morning. Just, you know, I'm still rattling and doing what I plan to do. And next thing you know, my deer comes in and I'm scrambling yeah. to get the camera up. Think I hit record. I don't hit record. Oh, fuck. I shoot the deer. I think, yeah, I got it on film. And I turn the camera's not on. And I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck's sake. So then I tried, you know, you've seen the footage. I tried to like sort of redo it i even yeah. sh- did the kill shot a second time and it yeah. just but it's it just, just not doesn't the same. work yeah fuck eh? yeah it's uh it's a struggle man when you're putting so much time in and you know there's been like my moose i had my headphone in and i heard them they're they're so loud walking through the bush um another buck you know, so I've had my headphone in before and I've seen them, but you know, this was like, this was on my 150th hour in the stand and I'm listening to something interesting and I'm zoned out and sure enough, this deer is That's right when they'll catch you me. with your pants down. Yeah. Fuck, man, just, just a killer. So what am I going to do net different next year? I think what I got to do is I've got to build a blind for one that is more comfortable in the tree. Because these hang-on tree stands, you can't even itch your ear if the deer sees you, he's gone. And they are so in-tuned that it just, they're so tough. And when it gets cold and it's snowing on you and raining on you, it's not comfortable. And if I'm going to spend a lot of time in the stand, I got to take care of that first. I got to get comfortable so I can have my full attention. So you can pay that attention. Exactly. So I think that's what I got to do this year because, you know, like we just said, hunting them from the ground, um, just hiking and spot and stalk whitetail in the north and dense bush is nearly impossible. Yep, That's absolutely. why so guys, so many guys are just cruising oil lease roads and trails and stuff like that, hopping out of the quad and shooting it. But when you're trying to tell a story and filming a, a hunt or an episode, um, you know, you can't really do that. So... So I think what we got to do, we got to get out, build some good stands, um, and just... Just got to tune in our setups. Yeah, tune yeah. in our setups. But you live and learn, right? Like right. every every year you're going into the next Hindsight's year with a little more knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah every so. year we learn something about, you know, we always make mistakes every year. And we get back to this every single podcast and the know. struggles of self-filming. Yeah. Right? And it's... But, but we, we love, love it. it. We That's fucking right. love it, man. We love it. So how do we turn down this this path? I don't know. We were on we were on high fence hunting. So <laughs> So did you hear that CWD has now been found in deer semen? No. I'm What does that mean? I, I try and stay away from deer semen. Uh yeah, me too. <laughs> um 
But I was always under the impression that CWD was only packed by saliva. Yeah, me too. And so that's how these high fence deer or whatever were passing it on to the wild deer through the fences um, or if they got out or whatever. But they say researchers found CWD in deer semen, found CWD in deer semen for the first time. Um, so does that mean just one deer yes, had a bad so nut? Our findings reveal the presence of CWD prions in semen and sexual tissues of prion-infected white-tailed deer bucks. Um, study Future studies will be necessary to determine whether sexual contact and or artificial insemination are plausible means of CWD transmission. So they don't know exactly what this means, I guess, from here on. Um, what do you know about CWD? I don't know a whole lot. I just I don't know either. that it's it's a prion or prion, however it's pronounced. Um, it gets passed through what I thought was only saliva, so the and it stems a lot of the concentration is out of high fenced areas or um, farm deer populations, and that's you can look at any CWD map, and it's sort of pretty hot areas or where there's high concentrated deer farming. So. Yeah. And so like up north here, we've been fortunate. There's no CWD. Like there's been. No, we got some on the east side of the province, but uh, east, southeast side yeah, of the province. Yeah, south there's a lot. Southeast there's a lot. Saskatchewan there's a lot. Um, now, so I looked into this post. So a news outlet posted that um, CWD has now been found in deer semen. And I just want to share some comments on this. There were a few people who think they uh, they have the solution or they know how this is all starting. Because no one... Semen experts? I guess so. No one knows <laughs> where... Like where the CWD starts, right? That's that's the big, the big question. What what starts? What causes it, right? Just bear with me here. I'm gonna bring this up. So yeah. So it's it's they think ahead. it's been spread lately just by um, like feeders and water supplies and and stuff like that is what sort of transmits it. Um, yeah generally yeah so this one guy he's been studying it for quite a while he said he's gone to fort collins university if anyone is looking for a new idea about cwd and where it originated from i have a theory worth talking about he says i'm a very i'm very passionate about this because i see a pattern um the university blew me off so take it for what you what you wish, I guess. Sad that new ideas are not taken more seriously, seeing we still haven't pinpointed the root cause. So what he says, um, the deer are trying to discharge carbon out of this out of their system. It comes out in many ways. If you take a state map, so they're looking at the United States, and compare CWD hotspots and a state map of coal power plants and ash pits, you can start to see a big pattern. It's a disease that we produced, he thinks. So he thinks it's some sort of... I don't even know exactly. So it's not a bacteria, it's a prion, right? So what is that? So what he's saying, if there's areas where the wind is blowing in your direction... Um, from a coal power plant, it's dropping coal dust on the on in your area. Um, that is what's causing the CWD, the high amounts of coal or high amounts of carbon that these deer are taking in for whatever reason. So high amounts of carbon create this prion of some kind. That's what he's saying. So he's no, he's looking at maps and where all of these, where all of these um, coal power plants are and ash pits are the exact same areas that the CWD hotspots are in. Right. So, you know, is that something that we should be looking at or what do you think? So is it something that they're, is it because they're ingesting it through their food? Is it just sort of... Yeah, so what he's saying Like contact with it through whatever... They have to be ingesting it into their body of some kind. And so, it, how does it translate into the CWD? That's what I'm curious about. Um, 
minutes and this happens too fast. Uh, I believe it has something to do with winter temperatures as well. A deer's body has to adjust to the cooler environments in winter. And this happens too fast. Blah, blah, blah. Carbon is building block of life. It needs to be respected in such a raw form. It's very powerful when challenged. Look how to make... Okay. Anyways, he doesn't give much information. But what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that carbon in the air is something to do with CWD? Well, I just don't understand it enough, I guess, to... I don't understand how carbon would translate. Yeah, he doesn't I don't get... know what that is, though. Like, I don't yeah. know what the definition of a prion is. Yeah, we just don't know enough about this to really be talking about it, I guess. <laughs> but if you do, hit us up because we'll figure it out eventually and, you know, we'll break it down on the next podcast even. Yeah. Because so, this is a hot-button issue and it deserves to be talked about. So, so would you eat a deer if it had CWD? Well, it hasn't been trans. It hasn't been transmitted to humans yet yeah, at all, correct? No. But they not advise the, not to eat the meat. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It's not. Is it something you can cook? Cook out, or is it? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't. We don't know enough about it at all. To you'd think we wouldn't know enough about it by now. Seventy years down the CWD line, I don't want to be one of the zombie people, though. You know. Yeah. Maybe it takes like 15 years to... Yeah. Well, really... it, that's the crazy thing about it. Like what it does to deer, it yep. like turns them almost into a zombie where they, you know, they can't regulate the temperature of their body. They can't hold water. They drink themselves drowning. They dry up, all kinds of crazy shit. So um, if somebody shoots a deer with CWD, do you think that they should get another tag? Or do you think that is just... That's so we hunting, talked man. about this, I think, a little bit on one of the other podcasts. There's a guy that okay. has come into the shop, right? Yeah, he shot three meal deer in a row, and they kept giving him a tag for it. And they were all very good deer. Yeah, yeah, for as sure. As far as antlers go, right? Yeah. So this guy's now taken basically four, three or four trophy deer yep. from the same area, knowing that chances are they're going to be CWD every time. Yes. And this is a draw area. He keeps getting re re awarded the tag because they test positive for cwd yeah but so i so do you want to keep keep giving that guy that tag so he can get rid of these cwd deer or do you still think hey man you get one tag that is hunting you shoot what you shoot and that's it is what that's it is. an interesting that's an interesting question because yeah, like you said, you're taking the infected population down, yes. which is good. They want that because obviously it spreads from deer to deer. So the least, the less amount of deer that have it, the better. Um, but at the same time, he's killing, you know, he's getting uh, um, a, a draw tag every year yes. without actually having to draw which it. Seems he only draws once. <laughs> so I don't know. Are these deer maybe should these deer be considered a trophy animal now instead of a meat animal? So should they be tagged like, no, you know what? It's now this amount of priority um for the tag for that mule deer in that area. And if you shoot one that's this big above this amount of inches above this amount of score maybe then you don't get oh, another tag next year look at it. Yeah, but if you yeah, shoot yeah. a smaller one and if they don't test positive for cwd if they're negative then you you lose your tag either way interesting you, you, you've paid your draw you got yeah, you harvested sure. your deer you get the meat yeah. and you get the horns which is what legally you're supposed to get yeah so maybe if you shoot one that's over you know maybe 165 inches or something yeah shoot yeah. one that's bigger than that no your tag's good would consider it a trophy harvest yeah because we're taking the meat anyway. Because it tested positive. Well, they aren't, you aren't taking the meat, but we aren't giving you another tag. No, no, the government takes the meat, do they not? No. Oh, no, you have a choice? Just, they just tell you the meat has CWD. Oh, okay. It's I, okay. not edible, basically. Okay, okay. Yeah. Or but so they don't actually you. take it from you? No. So you have to dispose of it or eat it, whatever you, know, you want to do. And what's weird is some guys have told me, you can't keep the antlers. So you got to give them the antlers. Um, but yeah, this guy had... No, no, no. Three sets of antlers. You just have to have it in for testing, and then they give it back. No, right? no, you just give them the brain. Like yeah, we've yeah, done yeah, it yeah. here. We just cut the the skull, take the brain out, give them the skull. But some guys have told me that if your deer draws, or if your deer comes back that it has CWD, and you want another tag, you got to give them 
the antlers for that deer. Like I had a guy tell me that and he said, I just, I'm not going to give him my 160 inch mule deer because I want it hanging on my wall and I never got another tag. That doesn't seem right because that guy had three from three years I know, in a row. And so, yeah. And that doesn't seem right because the guy still went on the trip and the horns or the antlers don't hold CWD. I know. Right. So that's probably, I can't, I have a hard time believing yeah. that part so, of it. So, Saskatchewan like we aren't from Saskatchewan so we don't we can't confirm this but I did hear from multiple sources that now in Saskatchewan if your deer tests is tests positive for CWD or is unedible like if it has growths and they don't suggest to eat it um, they will not give you another take that's that well you know it is what it is it's it, it's sort of the same as making a bad shot and wounding it and punching your tag as an ethical hunter, knowing, yeah. you know, knowing you lost that deer, you just can't recover it, but it is dead. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, it is, you still, you're still punching a tag. You're still taking a deer out of the population. So there's, they're trying to make a, a certain, your tags are supposed to equal a certain amount of harvested animals to sort of control the population right so you're still harvesting an animal yeah so now that i think about it a little bit more here i would fully support um giving another tag if that animal has cwd because the end goal is to remove the animals that have cwd correct so if that hunter shoots a deer it has cwd great let's give him another one shoots another deer it has cwd great shoots another one it doesn't okay he doesn't get another tag he got his one deer that doesn't but he did us a favor because he took two deer out that had cwd and hey he's he's got three antlers now great good for him he's got three trophies on the wall three stories that tell that's awesome. Three less CWD deer. Three less CWD and deer is the biggest. I biggest was thing. almost thinking of this as a negative when we originally started talking about it, but if he is headhunting what he thinks is a CWD population because it's also producing big bucks yeah. and it's the same population, like obviously, like when he talked to us, I remember being at the old shop, you know, a few years ago, and that guy saying, I basically killed him in the same spot. Yeah. And they're all massive, respectable white uh, mule deer, right? Yeah. So if he's headhunting the population of CWD, who cares? Because he's taking, they're already infected and they're all already going to dry exactly. up and die anyway. So he might as well harvest it. Then the information gets to go to the government, the biologist, whoever takes care of all this stuff. And that deer is now somewhere where it can't affect any more deer. Yes. Yeah, so that's yeah. So I think it's a win-win-win. If you, I feel like I should have like a judge. What yeah. do they call that? A gaffle <laughs> or whatever. Fucking know. bang the table right now. I got now. a hammer and mallet down yeah. there. If you want, I feel like we just got to the point there. Yeah, because yeah, why wouldn't you? Like, you you have two choices. So this this comes down to you can now pay pay someone, the government. It'll cost them money to remove these CWD animals, or you can have hunters doing it. At no cost, basically. And that goes for so many topics we've covered. So many topics. We've beaten it almost yeah. dead now already. So Yeah, we've beaten a lot of topics dead. Yeah, that's okay. We're going <laughs> to keep we're doing it. Pe people dead. love it. We're going to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, we're loving it. We're loving it. Well, let's wrap her up, man. It's getting late. We sat here chatting for like an hour before we started this yeah, we podcast. Yeah, we did a little bit of a, a serious <laughs> pre-meeting, so... <laughs> Yeah, well, it was a fun one. We talked about a few different topics. Yeah, so the podcast is is going great, right? We're loving it. It's doing awesome, and uh, I think we're gonna make a few small changes here in the next few, and and for the better, right? We're gonna we're gonna tighten up. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun with this. We're gonna structure things uh, a little different than how we have been doing it, but um, it's gonna be fun. You guys are gonna know what to expect with each and every one. And, uh, yeah, you know, without the listeners, without the people, you know, leaving reviews, giving us those five-star reviews, um, you know, this podcast would not keep going. So, you know, we're on our 10th episode right now. We've been doing this for a month and a half, two months now, and uh, we are so grateful for the support. So it's thank flying you guys by. It's so awesome. Much. So much fun. And so don't get, don't get worried that we're going to do a massive overhaul on this. Nobody's taking over this. No, it's still going to no, be no, us no, too. No, no, no. It's still going to be great. We're still going to have guests. We're just... 
we're just tightening up a little bit. It's yeah. going to be awesome. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's awesome. And we got a lot of guests planned here for the next uh, little while. Um, so you can expect to hear some some new voices, see some new faces, um, some people that, uh, you know, you might be following on social media, you might have heard or seen on TV. Um, so yeah, keep following along, hit subscribe, and remember to tell your friends how amazing the Non-Typical Nation podcast is. Absolutely. It's lots of fun to make, lots of fun to do, and I even enjoy listening to it myself. Awesome. And you know what, guys? Uh, check out our YouTube page as well. Um, we will have some episodes up there if they aren't already up there, and you can watch them if you Yeah, by the uh, time really this wanna... episode's out, we're, what, a couple weeks ahead? Yeah. They will definitely be on YouTube, and then hopefully we'll be releasing the YouTube just as fast as the audio. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a couple different sources to check it out. But yeah, we're going to wrap this up, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great night.